It's playoff time. Big stakes, bigger promotions. Every day of hockey's playoffs, DraftKings will have $20,000 in total prizes up for grabs. The best part, it's free to get your shot at these daily cash prizes. DraftKings will be offering two free-to-play pools every day of the NHL playoffs, offering players a free shot at $20,000 in total prizes. Dang, I could use 20000 right now. That sounds so nice right now. DraftKings free-to-play pools are easy to enter. Just download the DraftKings app, go to pools, and choose from a wide variety of free contests for an opportunity to win cash prizes. Cold hard cash, people. Money. Money. Cash money. All you have to do is answer a handful of questions around what you think is going to happen during that day's hockey games and track your results throughout the evening. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable, so you can deposit and withdraw your money at your convenience. So when you go out for steak at a strip club, you can make it rain too. Download the top-rated DraftKings app now and use promo code THPN when you sign up to get your free shot at twenty thousand dollars in total prizes. That's a lot of strip club steak every of day of steak. the hockey playoffs. That's right. Head to DraftKings pools page to get your shot at huge, huge cash prizes. That's promo code THPN for a limited time. Only at DraftKings. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com for details. I was walking through the halls of a Minnesota rink when along came a wild fan who started talking smack to me. He said, I bet you never liked the blues until they won a cup. And so I calmly turned to him and said, hey man, listen up. I admit it's pretty great to win Lord Stanley's prize, but listen, I've been waiting for this moment my whole life. Yes, sir, I'm a blues fan. Yes, sir, I'm a blues fan. Heartbreak's all I knew, man. That team from old St. Lou, man. Got a cup in here, 52, man. Give me a let's go blues. I know Federko, Turnbull, Gilmore, Brown, Chattel, Bothwell, Baybitch, Mahar, Mullen, Millen, Sutter, Pedersen, Pavasi, Curry, Zuckley, Uthard, Hunter, Schofield, Reeves, Ramage, Kia, Dunlop, Wickenheiser, Crombeam, Benning, Raglan, Ewan, Nicoletti, Ramage, Romney, Pavlovsky, Evans, Cavallini. Yes, sir, I'm a blues fan. Yes, sir, I'm a blues fan. Heartbreak's all my new man. That team from old St. Lou, man. Got a cup in here, 52, man. Give me a let's go blues. <laughs> The starting lineup for your Blue Notes podcast. Tom Franklin and the man called Wags. And yes, Wags is back this week. Hello and welcome to Blue Notes. Why am I so happy? I don't know. We're located on the best city of the Mississippi, the best in the Midwest. Uh, we got that Stanley Cup power from two years ago, but not going to be this year. Uh, and if you're so clueless, we are talking about St. Louis. This is your home for uh, sad blues coverage on the Hockey Podcast Network. Uh, I'm join- I'm Tom Franklin. Oh, baby! Oh, no, baby! No, no, kid, no. no, the blues are not still alive. They're dead. They're- it's over. It's done. You saw the title, Game Over. God, Ken Wilson, go back to Hawaii. Uh, I'm Tom Franklin, joined by my uh, counterpart, my longtime counterpart, Wags. And uh, uh, I haven't started drinking yet, but I suspect uh, we're gonna we're gonna start here once we get the show done. I think. 
because uh, that was bad. It, it 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 was it was I, uh, I there's just really no words. I, you, you sit there and you watch it and you just you go. <laughs> Colorado's just a better team. They they are. I, I cannot I can't disagree with it. it. They're just a better team, and the Blues just did not show up this series. And yeah, I'm right there with you. I think after we're all done here, it's gonna be a long long night in front of the fire pit, just drowning my sorrows. Uh, Blues fan reacts uh, has some other engagements tonight, but he does want to let us know to end him at some. You know, he that that is that is the mood he was in, he's in now. I mean, which which I don't know if that's an improvement from after Game Three because he literally did a video of him making an egg sandwich instead of talking about the game, which I don't blame him on. Really, I think we all saw this coming. We saw the light at the end of the tunnel, and. Um, I guess it feels like old times, Wags, because we're in a situation where if it weren't for Vladimir Tarasenko, we would have been shut out. Uh, Tarasenko with two goals tonight. And uh, I was kind of starting to wonder as the series was going on, you know, I was on crunch time with you Friday and I watched him take like his first shot in like two games, you know, with, you know, with you during, during the recording of that episode. And I was beginning to wonder what is Vladimir Tarasenko's future here in St. Louis? He scores two goals today. Looks like the only forward who gives a flip, you know, about playing hockey today. Uh, Is Tarasenko still going to be a blue next season? Not for lack of trying, I don't think. Um, yeah, you know, if you don't, if you remember, uh, I, don't, I can't remember what year it was, but it was recently where the Blues were getting getting ready to finish up a series where they were going to lose. He hadn't done anything the entire series, and then he decides to score a couple goals, and that was exactly what today's game reminded me of. It was where he, he didn't show up for the first couple of games, and then the last one, he goes, "Oh, maybe okay, <laughs> now's the time," and he, he ends up pouting a couple of goals, but. You know, the more I the more I've been listening to, to sports radio and, and people just talking, if you remember, I mentioned a couple of weeks ago, I said, why not expose him to Seattle in the expansion draft? And yeah. now all of a sudden that that's starting to pick up some steam. And it's not like Seattle is going to take him. Probably it, it, a team. They're probably going to pass him up. He's got a lot of money to be paid and they're not going to trade him. They're, they're not going to actively do that. But. If Seattle bites, I think a lot of people are going to be like, okay, that's fine. You, you, we, we ran your course with us here, and you got your cup, and we thank you for it, but see you later. Bye. Well, and and it's, and it's there, there was some discussion I was having with um, uh, some other uh, Blues uh, podcasters the other day. Actually, I was talking to – actually, it was Joey Palazzola, and uh, he, we were talking about Tarasenko's future on Twitter – and, you know, he's kind of of the mind that it's not going to be a messy – it is going to be a messy exit yeah. one way or another because this is Vladimir Tarasenko. You know, his agent put those articles out there in the Russian papers, you know, about him not being named captain. Uh, and, you know, even if Seattle were to take him, that wouldn't be the end of it. I mean, because you're, you're, you're going to have a Tarasenko. May, maybe he bounces back in Seattle because he's so pissed off at the Blues for – casting him out thinking that he's done that it's over uh and he's got something to prove now and you know what and if he does more power to him because it just i just i don't think it's i i have concerns about whether we're gonna see the tarasenko vault here in st louis maybe he needs a fire lit under him maybe he needs your idea of exposing him even if he isn't picked which you know 
Seattle has $81.5 million to play with. They have to make over 30 picks. Actually, exactly 30 picks in this draft because Las Vegas is exempt. Bullshit. Um, so they have, you know, let's see, that's 30 picks, $81 million. That is roughly, you know, about $2.6 million per player. And you are asking Seattle to take up seven and a half million dollars in cap space on one of the biggest if could maybes in hockey right now he could be the player that he was or he could be a shell of what he was the player that we've seen from him the last you know a couple months since he has returned so um yeah it's it, it's going to be interesting what happens with tarasenko that is just one of many storylines uh to watch this offseason but of course uh Derek noting probably the most unsatisfying ending today, which is true. Without Tarasenko, it would have been even more embarrassing. Um, Tarasenko is – oh, by the way, Blue, uh, Blues Fan Reacts points out, Tarasenko is ineligible yep. for the expansion draft. He didn't play enough games last year. That That's an interesting point. Yeah, so according to Cap Friendly, players with potential career-ending injuries who have missed the previous 60-plus consecutive games due to an injury do not meet the criteria set forth by the league in respect to the minimum exposure requirements for players, and in certain cases, these players may even be deemed as exempt from the expansion draft selection process. So I don't know if it's – I mean, that, that sounds like possibly something that could be throwing a wrench in their plans, but I, I don't know. I, I, but then again, it's like what GM would have the courage to expose Tarasenko, even if he were able to. I mean, considering all he's done for this franchise and you know and how much of an icon that he is, it would it would be a difficult move. But even still, you know, say that that opens up the other side of this argument, the one for exposing Tarasenko, and that is to protect a David Perron or an Oscar Sundquist or an Ivan Barbashev, because those three are probably last on a lot of people's mm -hmm. list. You know. You got one or two spots left those three would would come up so if he is ineligible then hey you get to protect another forward yay why you know, <laughs> i yeah i exactly exactly um i i i don't i mean you have to protect Perron at this point i think i think Perron not being there for this series shows how important that he is yeah point per game player he's a he's a heart and soul guy uh he's 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 one of the He's really good in the locker room. He's he he's, he's he keeps it very light, and he has proven his worth, you know, as a St. Louis Blue. And even though he's getting up there in years, even though he's got one year left on his deal, you got to keep her on, right? He's going to retire a Blue. He has to. Yeah. I, I think that's the plan going forward. He is going to finish his career with the St. Louis Blues, and you do have to protect him because he is a guy that Seattle could look at. That is the veteran presence that yep. Seattle will be looking for. Somebody with cup pedigree has been part of an expansion draft and has moved to a different a couple of different teams so yeah Piranha is a guy that you have to protect in this instance and not because he's going to lead your team in scoring next year I don't think that's going to be the case but he did a lot for this team and I I would be shocked if they don't protect him yeah uh and as as BFR points out Tarasenko would have to be traded also Tarasenko has a no trade clause so that's that 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 is a potential beehive that you're just going to whack with a stick a couple of times. You know, it, it's one thing to expose him to the draft, you know, and you can tell him, oh, well, we're hoping that they pass you over. And, you know, we you have a big contract. Hit, you're coming off a, uh, you know, potentially career ending ending injury. You know, they may not see you as a, it's one thing to do that. But then it's another to say, hey, um, 
we don't think you're worth it anymore. Uh, and you're, we're going to need you to waive that no trade clause, or we're going to send Luca Brazzi here, and either your brains or your signature will be on this waiver. You know that that's a little bit of a different tone, yeah. just a, just 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 a little bit. So, um, of course, you know one thing that Derek points out: we would be killing a penalty in the final minutes. Feel bad for Hoffman. Uh, it looked worse. I I, I know you were you were still navigating traffic, but yeah. you know with one forty eight left, Hoffman goes off for a double minor for high sticking. It looked worse at the time. Uh, the replays show that it wasn't as bad, but still not the greatest play by Hoffman and uh um so let's go ahead and talk about the Blues offseason here and of course number one I mean we we, we we got Tarasenko out of the way Mike Hoffman bye yeah I, I, I would say so yeah uh he I I think that bridge probably burned before the trade deadline when he was being shopped around and he took the blues like off of his Twitter bio and he just uh, wasn't very happy. And then, you know, injuries happened and then, you know, they, they kept him around. But if I were Mike Hoffman, I wouldn't come back. No, he, he did enough. He did enough to garner some attention from other teams. You know, he scored in the second half of the season. He was a guy essentially that carried this team for the second half and got them into the playoffs. And yeah, he didn't do much in the playoffs per se, but he did enough to get another contract. Some, some team is going to bring him in and he's going to be a perfect fit for them. Uh, but I, I feel bad because I, I like his scoring ability, but like you said, the bridge was burned. He, he's yeah. not going to fit in with this team. And honestly, this team needs a huge, huge makeover. It and does. for the longest time, I've been a guy that, thinks, okay, yeah, team first, team first, roll four lines, everybody contributes, I'm done with that. They need a superstar, and they need to find one. Jack Eichel? No, I don't think he can be a superstar. You know, you see, I, I'm with you on that. He's yeah. He screams of a guy that's going to be, like, in the hall of very good. Yep but he's not going to be a superstar. Like maybe like a, you know, at the level of a Brendan Shanahan, you know, I mean, Shanahan was very hall, very good, not a hall, you know, in my opinion, not a hall of famer. Uh, so I, I'm kind of with you on that. I don't know where else do you, where, where do you find that superstar though? I mean, uh, you find a way to get Matthew Kachuk here. That's an interesting option. I, one that I kind of posed the other night on, on Twitter, you know, People are thinking that the Blues aren't tough enough or uh, they need a proven goal scorer that, you know, isn't named David Perron. Uh, people that miss Keith Kachuk. Uh, here's a guy that can give you everything. He goes and to the front of the net. He goes to the front of the net. He is not afraid of anyone. I mean, ask ask any Edmonton Oilers fan. They'll tell you Kachuk is not afraid of anyone. And uh, he's a Kachuk. I mean, it would be, um, I mean, he's from here, you know, and he's, he's a legit superstar. He's a restricted free agent. So maybe you, uh, you either threaten an offer sheet or, you know, or just to get them talking, you know, maybe, maybe that's what you do. Uh, that would be a guy that would shake up this team a lot and shake them a lot uh, up a lot for the better. Um, and especially if Schwartz isn't coming back, which, you know, I, I I get the feeling he's going to want to at least test the market this offseason just to see what's out there. I mean, he's, you know, you, you don't get a lot of opportunities, you know, when you're, a, you know, a, a good forward in the NHL to, you know, see what do other teams think of you? What can you get? I mean, you know, Schwartz has his cup, you know, OK, he's he, he, and he's been a great ambassador for St. Louis, but 
he is a smaller version of the of the Petrangelo problem, you know, in that Petrangelo got his cup. Um, he's a bona fide superstar. He needed a team to give him that great deal to basically see him out for the rest of his career. And Vegas bit, you know, and that was during a COVID year. Um, this year, the cap's staying the same. Uh, I don't know if Jaden Schwartz gets a lot more than he makes now. That's the thing. And I don't know if the Blues are going to be willing to give him a raise, at least initially. Uh, so he might test the waters. And it'll be interesting to see if anyone gives him even north of five. I mean, I mean, I, I don't want to say that you know to disparage Jaden Schwartz, but he does tend to disappear on you a little bit. And um, he, he's a guy that you just you just kind of want he leaves you wanting more. At least with me, anyway. He always leaves me wanting more, and it's like, what could we do with an actual superstar in his spot? You know, maybe that's maybe that's the Matthew Kachuk, but uh, you seem to think as well. Maybe uh, maybe it's time to move on from Schwartz. I think it's going to be a huge surprise when Jaden Schwartz resigns with the Blues for less money than he's making this year, mm. because no other team wants to touch him. I, I'm I'm going to go out on that limb. I don't think teams think very much of Jaden Schwartz because he's a guy that has an injury history. He's yeah. very, he's wildly inconsistent. Yeah. Like you said, he disappears at times. Mm-hmm. I don't think anybody's, I mean, look at this, look at the season he had this year. I mean, do you even remember Jaden Schwartz really playing on this team? And I'm not trying to say I, I like Jaden Schwartz. I, I really do. I, I want him to be on this team, but I don't think teams look at him and go, yeah, I, I think we could pay him five, five and a half million to come in and be a, a cog in our, in our team. I just I I'm gonna be very surprised if a team goes anywhere near him. I I'm I'm left kind of like Marvin the Martian, you know. Where's the kaboom? Where's <laughs> where's the bigger shattering kaboom? That 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 was basically Jane Schwartz this year. There was just no kaboom from him. Uh, Forty regular season games out of a possible fifty-six, eight goals, thirteen assists this year for twenty-one points. Uh, he was off his pace. I mean, I mean, like the year before he had 71, he played in 71 games, which was the entire season. That was because remember it was cut short because of COVID. So he actually did play a full season, 22 goals, 35 assists for 57 points, 57 points to 71 games. That's good. pretty good. And that gets you some consideration for maybe a nice pay bump this off season. When you go into free agency, eight goals and 13 assists in 40 games does not, does not. So I'm, I am going to be interested to see if this is going to be another hometown discount situation because Jaden Schwartz has been a part of this organization for so long. He was drafted in 2010 that at this point, this is pretty much, you know, he's almost made this his hometown. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with him. I definitely, I'm with you though. If he does test the waters, he's going to be very disappointed. I think he's going to be very disappointed. Teams are still not in a position where they're going to like splash the cash like they did in previous free agencies. You know, like when Jeff Finger gets like you know five million dollars a season. Uh, you know, this th- those times have come and gone. I think, and this is a proven guy, and I think there's going to be better options out there this free this free agency so i think he is uh definitely gone for sure so that's two guys that we think we're probably gonna get their walking papers here uh between uh jaden schwartz and uh, mike hoffman so looking at the forward group um i mean we talked about tarasenko and how he's probably gonna hang around uh tyler bozak is an unrestricted free agent do you think he comes back i i actually i think he might i really do i, I it depends on 
who's looking and what they're looking for. Right. I mean, you saw the success that Pat Maroon had in going down to Tampa Bay. Is there another team out there that looks at themselves and goes, we're a third line veteran center away from being a Tampa Bay or St. Louis blues in 2019. I mean, yeah. You could look, you could look at a place like Pittsburgh, potentially that that's a maybe. place that he might go to. I mean, it's crazy. It sounds maybe back to Toronto. I don't, I don't know if that's something in his wheelhouse that he would want to go to, but I could see him returning to St. Louis. He enjoys playing here from everything I've heard. Yes, he hasn't had the greatest of seasons, but he's been he's been consistent when he's not been hurt. And really, right. getting hurt this year wasn't his fault. That was just fucking Mark Stone, and just don't even get me started on that one. Uh, yeah. I think if he would have played the entire 56-game schedule, I think he would have been pleasantly surprised with what he would have done this year. And I think he's another guy that can mentor a guy like Robert Thomas, who seemed to play really well with Bozak and Maroon. And the last year or so, he's kind of been eh, growing. And and don't get me started on these people that are sitting here telling everybody, oh, we got to get rid of Thomas. We got to get rid of Thomas. The dude's, it, like, the dude's like 21 years old. Yeah, He, he was in the league at 18. What, what You expect him to just shoot right up? He's going to have a little bit of a regression. And none of the injuries were really his fault either. I mean, you know, that's just, you know, part and parcel of the game. I, I think it's way, way, way too early to give up on Robert Thomas. Yeah. I mean, I, I understand the, the, the salivation over maybe using him as a key cog to get an Eichel or to get a to get Chuck or get someone that is, you know, an upper echelon player. But it's like he could be that guy in a few years himself. Yeah. You know, if you know, with 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 no more injuries and in the and the right development, no, you're not trading way Robert Thomas. Don't do that. Don't be stupid. Um, but and I will one thing I'll point out with Tyler Bozak is that he was one of the better Blues forwards this playoffs. Uh, he you know he had a goal, he had an assist, he uh, uh, was just a minus one uh, coming into today's game, and today he had a a, a shot right at uh, Grubauer's doorstep in the first period, and he was going to the net. He looked he, he was one of the few forwards that I could point to and say, well, this guy wasn't a problem. You know, he, he really wasn't. And, you know, he's, he's a solid, as you said, solid veteran guy, uh, good locker room guy, plays a strong two-way game. Mostly, I mean, in fact, he probably leans more defensive, you know, now than anything, uh, kind of like a Rick Mahar type, I guess. And he's not worth $5 million anymore. I think we can all agree on that. But if he wants to come back on, front, on like a two and a half to, you know, $3 million deal, um, yeah, come back. I, I say, I mean, I think I think he provides a good service to this team, especially on a team that's without Alex Steen, which, you know, I think we all, as we re as the season went on, kind of started to realize what we were missing out on not just, Alex Steen. Not just Steen, but Bo Meester. And, yeah, you can say the same thing about Petro. I, I, I think that there was going to be some sort of drop-off there. But losing Petro, Bo Meester, and Steen, and then losing a guy like Oscar, Oscar Sundquist early in the season as well. I mean, a lot of these like heart and soul kind of guys are gone. And, yeah. and uh, three of them aren't coming back. And Sundquist, we're not even sure he's going to come back the same kind of player he is. I think he will, but he you, just, you just never know. We should have expected a little bit of, of a transition year this year. I think we actually probably should have been happy with what we got because we had questions about Jordan Bennington coming into this year. We had a new captain in Ryan O'Reilly. We had a new defender in Tory Krug. We weren't sure what we were going to get out of Justin Falk after last year. So there were a ton of questions around this team. And I almost feel like we got a little ahead of ourselves. And we're like, yeah, this team's going to be great. Blah, 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 blah. But we had a, a boatload of questions to start the season. Yeah. I think we had a few of them answered. But I, I think we should be at least a little bit grateful that we got as far as we did.
I think so as well. I mean, we're, I mean, we were still fourth in the division. Uh, Arizona looked, you know, like decent foes at times. And, uh, we, we did play Colorado well in the regular season. We played Minnesota very well in the regular season. Um, just Vegas is going to be an issue going forward. But guess what? Not in our division anymore. Yeah. God. So let, let they can they can go do their own thing now. Um, so, yeah, it's it's it, it could have been worse. It could have been worse this year. Um, I think with all the injuries that they had, it was kind of we forget this team was in really dire straits. You know, I mean, we had Sam Annis and Dakota Joshua on this team playing uh, serious minutes. We had uh, Mitch Reinke playing minute uh, serious minutes in the playoffs. I mean, that's just. You know, it's it's you don't want to make excuses, but it's just like reality was this team was not at full strength at the either here in the playoffs or during key stretches of the season. And so that just that's just a fact. Uh, getting back to the forwards conversation here. So uh, Bozak, we'd like him to stay if he takes the cheap deal. Hoffman and Schwartz, you know, might be waving goodbye to them. Zachary Sanford. Zachary Sanford, a, uh, he is a restricted free agent. Um, I think I'm almost at the point with Zach Sanford that you give Seattle a little something to take him in the expansion draft. I'm almost at that point. They might take him anyway, because uh, I, I was talking about that with Mason on this on, on this show last week. And, you know. Six foot four, two hundred ten pound forwards who can score fifteen and twenty goals per year don't grow on trees, and uh, he he he's he, he doesn't make a ton of money. He makes a mill and a half. That might be enticing for a team like Seattle. And in fact, compare him to some of the players that might be available for them to choose. I mean, they're going to be looking at probably you know they might be looking at Oscar Sundquist, who hey this guy is 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 very injury prone and he's got a contract with term. Probably don't want to touch that. Um, Sammy Blay, all he does is hit. Um, Vince Dunn. I mean, that's probably the other attractive option for Seattle at this point. And He's up and down. I keep hearing weird things out of St. Louis. I mean, Zach Sanford might be the guy for Seattle. And you know what? I say, let me help you pack your bags. <laughs> let me help pack your bags. And I think you're just as done with Sanford as I am. Yeah, yeah. I, I'm definitely done with him. He, he did phenomenal in that Stanley Cup run. He was really one of the key guys on that that run, especially against Boston. He stepped up big time. He got his cup. Love it. But yeah. I was talking with somebody the other night. He, he's just a, a little bit smoother, Patrick Berglund, and essentially, it, it, like, what's what have we gotten out of that? I mean, we yeah, we got Ryan O'Reilly out of it. Thank you very All much. Right. Uh, you're not going to get the same thing for trading him to Seattle if that's the case, or, or oh, no, but maybe enticing, enticing maybe, Seattle to get there. Maybe you keep Barbashev. You know, maybe they don't take Barbashev instead. You know, just just that that's the value in having Sanford going to Seattle. But if you don't have to, if you can't. If you don't need to protect Vladimir Tarasenko, all of a sudden you can protect Ivan Barbashev. So, but he'd be an not, he'd be an option. He probably would. He probably would. But I mean, everything I can I continue to see. I continue to see that Seattle's not going to take a forward from the Blues. They're gonna they're gonna probably take Vince Dunn. And there's I, I just I don't see how that's something that's going to even come up because everywhere that I've seen it, it feels like Vince Dunn's the guy. Puck moving defenseman, good contract, restricted free agent, arbitration eligible. I mean. It's. I think that's the case. I almost feel like we don't have to worry about any of our forwards, and I know that's that's really bad thinking. Yeah. But 
I mean, we make the point, Oscar Sundquist, he, he, he'll probably be exposed because he's injured, and teams usually don't take an injured forward uh, unless it's a superstar potentially. You know, Ivan Barbashev could possibly be protected. And Vladimir Tarasenko doesn't have to be protected, so there's that as well. There, there's a lot of intricacies that go into it that, you know, a guy like Sanford might be able to be exposed where it's either Sanford or Dunn, and they're probably going to go with Dunn. So, I mean, I get your point. Uh, I mean, if the Blues do have to just maybe entice Seattle to take them, I would be okay with that. Uh, I just don't see how he fits in this team going forward. If if they don't, agreed, agreed. He's he was definitely one of the issues this year for, for for the Blues. His inconsistent play. He just tends to have these mental lapses with the puck. You know, makes too many turnovers, uh, and he's just he, you know for a guy his size, as you said, he's kind of a uh, more refined Patrick Berglund in that he's still soft incredibly soft and i mean every now and then he'll lay someone out and then you'll you'll say well yeah there's a zach sanford that we we've been waiting for and then he goes back you know to being you know his you know mentally frail self so yeah i'm i'm kind of done with the zachary sanford experiment um let's see barbish has a restricted free agent he's coming back robert thomas he's not being traded let's let's stop with the robert thomas trade rumors they're not, <laughs> they're not happening it's not happening at all uh defense you know of course i mean you're pretty much married to justin falk and tory krug no matter what um nor did either one play bad enough to even merit consideration for you know getting moved i mean uh krug i mean I, krug got a lot of flack this year and he, the, the thing with Krug, Krug got some flag in Boston as well. Like he, you know, he, he he sometimes drove Bruins fans nuts just because he would have the occasional laps here or there. And I feel just kind of looking at you know Krug this year. I mean, I mean, no, he didn't score goals, but I mean, you know, that's he's primarily a puck mover. He's not a you know big shot like you know Justin Falk is anyway. I feel that Krug for the most part came as advertised. I mean, don't you? I think so, too. And you have to also look at the fact that Justin Falk had an issue getting started here in St. Louis last year. And I could feel the same thing for Krug. He'll be an improvement next year. And like you said, he, he had momentary defensive lapses in Boston. I don't think I've ever watched a game this year where I go, oh, man, that was Krug's fault. You never really heard his name being called out defensively. Now, once again, sometimes that's a good thing. Sometimes it's a bad thing. But there was never anything really super egregious about Tory Krug's play. So yeah, maybe is the juice worth the squeeze when it comes to his contract? I don't know, but he, it feels like the team has surrounded him and embraced him and brought him into this. So they like playing with him. Yeah. So you can't sit there. Like, I don't think they liked playing with Mike Hoffman. I think they like playing with Tory Krug. So that's another piece that you have to add, add into it. And then there's the other guy that I think is, kind of an elephant in the room because he's, he's not due up next year or ne this coming year, but he'll be due up the year after. I mean, what do you do with Colton Pareko? Do you, do you sell high on Colton Pareko right now? Ooh, I wasn't even prepared to, to, to talk about Colton Pareko because I don't think you're selling high on him now. That's true. <laughs> because he's coming off, you know, you know, back surgery. And since he's come back, he has not, been the same Colton Pareko. At times he's looked like he's he he is, but uh he looked very tentative uh in the first few games when he came back. And at least on one of the goals tonight, I felt he could have been a little bit more uh um maybe on the puck, if you will, you know, instead of you know playing on his heels and kind of playing playing tentative. 
I that that's a good question with Colton Pareko, and it, it kind of goes into the leads into discussion of just the Blues defense in general because there's a lot of things that could happen with this Blues defense this offseason. Like for one, Vince Dunn maybe going to Seattle, yep. or maybe he gets traded. One or the one way or the other, I don't think Vince Dunn's coming back, and and that opinion has not really changed as the season's gone on he's a restricted free agent for one uh the performance from him just felt lacking this year i mean he still ended up with 20 points in 43 games uh which isn't bad but it was a minus eight and we all know about his mental lapses on defense i mean it's just it's 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 gonna be tough if he makes it to the blues training camp next year i'm gonna be shocked put it that way i i think there's and you don't get rid of a dunn just because of you know his shortcomings you get rid of a dunn because you have guys like scotty prunovich who are ready to basically take his spot uh you have nico mikola who uh you know showed himself to be a capable nhl uh defenseman i feel at least a at least a bottom pairing defenseman jake wallman i i flipped on my on, on an opinion on jake wallman i didn't like him at first i thought he looked very awkward on defense suggested maybe he should have been a forward because of his his offensive skill set but he really came along and won me over as the season went on and i think he deserves another chance next year but you know we're talking about a lot of guys here and it's like okay you only have so many spots Yes, Dunn's probably going to be gone. Gunnarsson, he might retire, honestly. I mean, he's 35 and made a glass. So, I mean, it's just it, – I think it's just time for him. I mean, I I, lo- I loved Gunnar when he was on the team. Boom, boom, Gunnarsson getting the goal in game two of the Stanley Cup final against Boston. That was a, that was an, an incredible moment, the pisser goal. Um, but, 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 look, I'll, I'll, if you're a Blues fan, you know Gunnarsson just can't stay on the ice. He just can't. And so, and, and with, with this injury, I think he's done. Um, and Bortuzzo's got one more year left. I mean, beyond that, do, does he have a future here? I don't know. Another guy, I, I, I wonder about his position on the team, Marco Scandella. He did not impress me, really. I mean, he, I mean, he looked okay. I mean, he looked okay, but okay at, you know, 3.275 mil for the next couple of years. I wonder, I, I think the blues might look to move him, you know, especially if they're trying to, you know, shake up the identity of the team and, you know, maybe not give, you know, Bennington so much to do every single game, which is, again, it's not Bennington's fault. Okay. It's, you know, the, the, the numbers that he had, um, you know, any goals that he, you know, he allowed during the playoffs, for instance, this team makes Bennington work so hard. It is it is like the opposite of the blues that we know, which is, you know, back when they went went on a cup run, they were really great at limiting opponents' shots. Yeah. I mean, they, you know, routinely Bennington maybe it maybe it may have had 20, 25 shots a game max. Game one of the freaking Stanley Cup playoffs, he's facing fifty. You know, that's just that's just you can't have that. Feels like we're in Toronto. It, do, it does feel like we're in Toronto and it's like, okay, you know, why are we doing this? Why, uh, what, what's the issue here on defense? And I think, I, I, I think, and maybe it's just a microcosm of the whole problem with the team itself is, is I, the team seems to have gone into a more speed game. Um, you know, at least with the roster, the roster makeup seems to be more speed, more rush. And Baruby's not about that. 
Ruby's a grinded out, you know, kind of a, you know, rough and tumble, you know, he was, that's the way he was as a player. That's also the way he likes, you know, his team to be made up. Um, I wonder, and I'm, I know I'm jumping ahead here, but I wondered what's Craig Berube's future in St. Louis. Um, I don't think it's necessarily his fault per se, but it does kind of feel it feels a little bit like how I felt when Andy Murray's last days were here, when Ken Hitchcock's last days were here. It feels like this team's getting away from him a little bit. And it's going in one direction, and then he's always going to go on the into the other direction. I don't I, I I hesitate to say this, but is Ruby on the hot seat? I think so. I think yeah. he is. And uh, and what and honestly, in this instance, I think this instance alone, because you talk about Andy Murray, you talk about Ken Hitchcock, in those instances, the team did not want to play for him anymore. They did not want to play for Andy Murray. They did not want to play for Ken Hitchcock. I truly 100% in my heart believe that the players on this team want to play for Craig Berube. I yeah. think that is 100% the case. I don't think it's a lack of a, a, a sake of losing the team. I just I think it's it's coming down for higher up. I think Doug Armstrong has a a mindset of where this team's going. You talk about this team wanting to go more to a rush speed game. Well, if you're going to do that, you got to actually have players that have speed. Uh, and you sure. got Jordan Cairo and you got Robert Thomas. Who who else has has speed? Vladimir Tarasenko doesn't have speed anymore. Walmart's uh, not fast. Mm-hmm. I mean, they, they don't have speed. So if you're going to play that kind of game, you have to have the players that will be able to play it. And they don't. They're still built in the mold of a grinded out, tight checking, move as a five-man unit team. But now they're being dictated to play a rush game. So you're yeah. losing, you have that disconnect between the defenders and the fours. The defenders are staying back. The fours are going. But your defenders can't get the puck out of the zone to make an outlet pass to save their lives. So the entire system is flawed. So, And I'll, I'll say this. Maybe it's just a, a microcosm of what happened this year. It, it was a two-week training camp, okay? Two weeks. They didn't get the normal training camp. They didn't get the normal conditioning. And I'm not saying that that's an excuse because they actually did have a little bit, pretty much the same amount of time off as they do in a normal regular season. Just everything shifted. But I think if you get them back to a normal training camp where they can start to build their system again, maybe this team doesn't have to change as much they just have to go back to what got them to where they were at. And I think a full training camp might allow them to do that. It's very possible. It, it, it's very possible that may be part of the issue here and, and just and just the lack of cohesiveness that we saw during the season. Because at times this, this team looked very lost in, you know, in, in, in the season. And, you know, we all like to see Barubi and his lines during this point where he just basically like throwing, you know, darts at a, you know, at a wall and, you know, seeing what sticks. But sometimes you got to do that. When your team isn't isn't clicking, when your forward lines aren't clicking, you need to per- throw the proverbial, you know, you know, spaghetti against the wall and, and see what sticks. So you just wonder if, if maybe, maybe, if maybe, you know, Doug Armstrong takes a look at the team and says, you know what? Rush isn't going to work for this team at all. We need to get back to basics. Let's start getting him, you know, get, getting my coach, you know, my Stanley cup winning coach, you know, some, you know, the proper tools, but that's still going to lead to a lot of change. This oh, yeah. season, I think I think there's going to be a lot of change um, in one way, shape, or another, um, and I'm really interested to see 
who the new guys are next season. Cause I think there's going to be a few new guys on this team this year. And of course they just, they literally just got bounced from the playoffs. So it's too early to speculate on who they could even target. Although I do like the Matt Kachuk idea. I really do like the uh, Matt, Matt Kachuk idea. Uh, Derek points out dump and chase with endless cycling did absolutely nothing this series. And against a sophisticated team like the Avs, it's not going to work. It is well, when, not going to work. When you get out shot two, sometimes three to one. Yeah. Like, it, it's just not. I mean, even when uh, you look at Colorado, and I was talking to my dad about this the other night. Like Colorado, it's not like Colorado is just putting a great, a, a bunch of high quality shots on net. They're putting everything at the net because in hockey, you never know what's going to happen. You know, a bad bounce here, yeah. a, a deflection there. You just got to put pucks on net. And it seems like the Blues, and especially in this season, series, were looking for the perfect shot. And yeah. that's not going to do it. And that's why Colorado ended up winning this series because they took shots whenever they could. They looked for rebounds. They looked for deflections. They looked for guys in front of the net. The Blues were skating around looking for the perfect pass or the perfect shot. No one going to the front of the net for the most part. It just it, it was a contrast to styles. And you saw what worked and what didn't. And the Blues never adjusted. They 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 never did. So we'll see those adjustments. I think I think this offseason for sure. Uh, defensively, I, I think really. I mean, Falk and Krug are probably the only ones that can be assured that they're safe coming back. Mikola and Wallman. I mean, Wallman's got another year on his deal. Mikola's got another de- year on his deal. They'll probably be back as well to fill the you know those those bottom roles. It's that middle that you wonder about. You wonder about Pareko's future. You know, because he does have one year left, and uh, you know, you're he's got so many question marks with this back injury. I thought, and again, I thought Marco Scandello was very underwhelming. I wonder if they shop him this offseason, maybe, maybe do an old hockey trade where they find a forward that some team doesn't want, and you know, they just do the old, uh, you know, change of scenery type of a move. Um, and no, Derek, we we can't get Robbie Fabry back. Um, I, I actually I, I don't know I, I still don't want Robbie Fa- Robbie Fabry. No. We got Jordan Cairo. Yeah, we have yeah we have Cairo. We're we're gonna be fine, and we're gonna have a full season of Costin next year. Yep. So that's gonna be that's gonna be nice. But although we didn't we didn't get to see Costin in the playoffs, surprised a little bit for reasons. But we got to see Zach Sanford. Yeah, yeah. <sighs> I I don't know. I, I mean, I understood not playing Costin in the first couple of games because he'd only played in what two with the Blues, and yes, he had the experience of playing over in, in the KHL and winning a championship there. But the KHL is a lot different than the NHL and the NHL playoffs. Now, the fact that he didn't get into even today's game, that did surprise me a little bit that you got to think at some point you're desperate. You got to change. You got to make a change. You got to put some sort of spark in this team and getting a guy into the lineup that could provide that spark was a bit surprising. Uh, but, you know, maybe it's just, maybe it's just Craig Rube going, look, I'm, I'm going to go with what I've got. You're going to see exactly why I can't win. And you're either going to make the change or we're going to be in this same thing for the next so odd number of years. Well, we were kind of stretching out that segment a little bit so we can get our buddy Blues Fan Reacts on. And I can tell he's excited. Oh, Is he awake? Blues <laughs> hockey. No. No, uh, not awake. I, 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 I did have a meeting today, but I said, screw it. Not in the mood. Just go uh, home. I was, I, no. That's nope. fair. Not it's, in the mood. Nope. <laughs> did you at least make an egg sandwich? I did not. I haven't done that yet. I literally, I literally just ran into my room like not <laughs> 10 seconds ago. Dedication, folks. More, more dedicated, dedication. Than, more dedicated than most blues forwards during <laughs> the series against the. Yeah. 
Yeah, well, okay, so you guys were talking about, well, I was listening to it in the car, and I heard you guys talking about is Brubay in the hot seat. I heard you talking about that. Yeah, what do you think? Right now, it could be, and I'm not even sure if I can properly word this, uh, maybe it's just because emotions are running high right now, obviously. Everyone's so bummed out right now. Right. Uh, I've been pretty vocal on my channel, on my Twitter, on everything that I think Brubay is the right fit for this team. The players, like Wag said... Yeah. yeah, like like Wag said, the players want to play for him. You know, it's not like Ken Hitchcock where the players were just like totally turned off and didn't want to play for him. But one thing that we can all agree on is he's a very stubborn coach. Mm-hmm. He coaches one way and one way specifically, and if you don't fit that, then you're basically fucked in the system. That's why you're, Mike Hoffman took so long to you know finally find his grip. And then you you're know, off because- Detroit like Fabry. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Well, I mean, you know, and that's why it took, you know, so long for a lot of players to find their swing. That's why it took Tori Krug a little bit to finally look a little more comfortable. Uh, and for the last yeah. back half of the season, you know, I really gave Brubay the benefit of the doubt. I'm like, you know, he he knows what he's doing. He's won a championship. He knows the, the core value of the group is still the same as it was in 2019. Yeah. But going into the offseason, there's going to be a lot of changes. Yes. And I mean a lot of changes. You know, I bet this is going to be one of the most crazy off seasons in Blues history. There are so many decisions that need to be made. You know, mm-hmm. I mean just Bozak I know is gone for sure for starters. I know Gunnarsson's gone? not playing another Yeah, I think he's gone. I think Schwartz is gone because if Schwartz was sticking around, he would have been signed already. You know, there's Fair, lots yeah. of players that are going to be gone, but there's also lots of players that are might come in. You know, you just never know. The team that so so because of that, what we can all agree on is the team next season is going to be very very different from the team this season. I can almost guarantee you it's not going to be a Craig Brube team. It's not going to be a grinding team. It's going to be yeah. a completely different shakeup. Yeah. Can Craig Brube coach that team? Will Craig Brube be flexible enough to coach next season's team? Next season's team that will probably possibly have a Gabe Landis cog on it. You know, who really knows? He hasn't, he's not sticking around Colorado. That's not happening. You know, if Colorado, like it's the same thing with Schwartz. If Colorado wanted him, they would have signed him by now. You know, this is a team that could have Dougie Hamilton on it. You know, neither of those two guys are really grinding forwards. They're not the Craig Ruby type of players. So the makeup next season is not going to be the Craig Ruby style. So will Craig Brube keep trying to beat his style into the players like he did this season, which I think I can attribute to how bad we sucked this year. Frankly, we sucked this year. We really did. This was a very disappointing year. I'm not happy whatsoever. you know. And that's because I think now that I look at it retrospectively, and like I said, it could be because emotions are running high right now, but maybe that's because Craig Brube is trying to coach him the wrong way. He was trying to coach him his way and his way only. And the players were like, that's just not how we are anymore. That's not our core anymore. Maybe that has, that's a factor into it. And maybe he's going to do the same thing next season, and it's going to be even more brutal. You know, I'm expecting next season to be a full season, a full 82 games. Oh, yeah. That is going to it's be a thing. miserable – that is going to be a miserable 82 games if this is how we're going to play. If Craig Brube is going to keep coaching them like he specifically wants. 
Yeah, he might get a think? couple he might get a couple of months to coach that way. And when it fails, then that he might be shown the door for yeah. a coach that does coach that way. Cause it's because you know, we, we we talked about this, I think, a few episodes ago. When they're when you're in a situation where it's the coach or the GM, GM's gonna win. Uh, nine times out of ten. Ninety, yeah, ninety percent yeah. of the time the GM's and, gonna win. But like the and, my and only Scotty con- Bowman, my other- Scotty Bowman, Craig Ruby is not. Hmm. My no. my concern as well next season is I can abs- I can definitely see that happening. I can see Craig Brubey trying for the first three months, it not working, he being showed the board door. We're all gonna be sick of him. The players are probably gonna be sick of him because he's just being he's being stubborn, you know, and that's what you know the GM's gonna notice, and that's why the GM's gonna fire him. Yeah. The person taking Craig Brubey's spot is inevitably going to be Jim Montgomery. I do not like that. Uh, Jim Montgomery I, is a great point, guy. He was a great. That. He was a great coach in Dallas. All right, yeah. he's a great guy. I'm so glad that he's an assistant coach on this team. He brought a. He he brought kind of a. I don't I don't think the Blues uh, failure this season is attributed to you know budding different philosophies of the coaches, but I think you know Montgomery brought a. I don't know, almost a level of speed to this team that we haven't seen in a while. There, there's some, there are some moments where we saw the Blues at times could run over the opponent and just you know flat out chose not to for some yeah. reason, you know. But I, I don't think he's a good head coach. I don't think he can head coach this team properly. I, I don't. He had a really good. I mean, Montgomery was he had a really good college record. He uh-huh. uh, he did very well, and you know, I mean, before he got sacked in Dallas for his personal issues, I thought he had that team running pretty good. <laughs> but you know, I I haven't seen enough from him. You know, just as an assistant to really give me a lot of confidence. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, for one, he's he, he filling in some big shoes because Mark Savard had that power play and that offense running. You know, like an absolute you know freaking mint condition Cadillac. Um, and that, it, the team obviously suffered without Savard, and you know Montgomery clearly was not the answer. Um, so may, maybe maybe it is best that we hold off on the Jim Montgomery era at least at least for a, a little while. Um, by the way, uh, we, we we talked about forwards or, or earlier, Mason and Derek asked a question: Do we still want Schwartz? Because I because because yeah. Wax, Wax and I kind of agreed that we. I can't get excited about him. I mean, I, I mean, I mean, I I don't think he gets a raise. I don't think he deserves a raise. He no. can't stay on the ice. He's you know he's 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 a good player, but I I just can't get thrilled about him anymore. I, yeah, and I get that. And I could I can I mean we could have probably made had Steen's contract have ended last year. Uh, we probably would have, you know, said the same thing that we're saying about Schwartz. Like, we just can't really get excited about him. What is he really contributing? Yeah, you know, like on the ice. My argument is this: I think Schwartz is a key player that we need to resign. I think so, and not necessarily for his on ice production, but for the you know same things that Alex Steen did. How many players in that locker room right now do the young guys really look up to right now? I can name two. I can name Justin Falk. I can name Vladimir Tarasenko. Right now, it's about it. Yeah. They don't. They don't really have a leader per se to look up to. A veteran presence, you know. Braden Chen comes close, but I don't think. I I think he's still too young to be really given that role. I think O'Reilly's but, still kind of growing. Oh yeah, O'Reilly too. Of, yeah, yeah, O'Reilly. Yeah. Duh. But uh, I I don't know. I'm just thinking. I mean, Sh- Schwartz. 
like flat out, Robert Thomas and Jordan Cairo have both said that Jaden Schwartz is one of their main mentors in the room now, and he's one of the guys that they respect. Mm-hmm. But let's look at last season and the season before. We've lost Alex Petrangelo. Yep. Born leader. Born leader. We've lost Alexander Steen to injury. Born leader. And we saw that fourth line and third line just weren't good anymore without him. They just they flat out were not the same. They didn't have that speed. They didn't have that desire on the ice that they did with Alex Steen. They lost Jay Bomeister. And I don't know how many locker room stories you've heard of Jay Bomeister, but he's one of those like the most quiet guys in the locker room. But when he speaks, everyone shuts up yep. like that. Yeah. Everybody cuts it. And people listen to him. And you can see like when he was presented his like ring, the Olympic ring, you know, or the, the the gold ring or whatever he was given, you know, because he won like a Olympics gold and IHF gold and the Stanley, Stanley Cup. Cup yeah. Big three, yeah. Uh, but once he came up and accepted that reward, everyone was so happy for him. And then the moment he started talking, place went dead silent. Mm. So maybe it's not just really it maybe yeah, well, no one really heard him talk ever. So you know, probably. But like, I think we've all. I mean, I know Wags and me have both definitely played for with you know a guy like that in the locker room that doesn't speak much, but when he speaks, you listen. Mm-hmm. You know, he has that respect and he plays to that respect. He was the workhorse of the he, he was the workhorse of the organization. We've lost too much leadership, and it showed because when at times the blues looked like a midget team, completely yeah. unorganized, didn't know what the fuck they were doing in their own zone. Bennington was about the only player that seemed to want to win this series. I don't I can't even make an argument for Ryan O'Reilly. He just didn't look comfortable. He didn't look comfortable in his leadership role in the playoffs. He was just fine in the regular season. First half was shaky, but it's his first time actually captaining a team. Later in the season, I saw him get it together a little bit. In the playoffs, flat out was not a leader. He wasn't. Yeah. I, not that I saw. You know, I'm not I wasn't hearing, you know, tweets from Lou Korak or anybody like that or Jim Thomas saying O'Reilly is staying extra to help the younger guys skate. He's obtending these optional practices and helping the rookies, you know, really hone their game. I haven't seen that. You know, that's that's like that's like captaincy 101. You want to get the respect of the locker room. And you want to be confident. I mean, I, at the beginning of the season, at the beginning of the series, you know, he said, we're going we're gonna to beat these guys. We're going to beat these guys. And everyone everyone was harping on him, like, oh, no, you're not. It's Colorado. I'm like, what did you want your captain to say? Yeah. Did you want him to say, oh, we're going to get killed? No. He, of course he's going to say that. He didn't back it up. Oh, when Bennington said, we're coming, he backed it up. O'Reilly didn't. That's a good point. That's a I good can't, point. Yeah, I can't argue against him. Losing, he was like a minus six in the series. He only had the one goal. Uh, we've I, lost too much leadership. We can't lose Schwartz. I that's my argument. That's my only argument. And see, I, if you if you were able to catch it earlier, I, I said I don't think any other team's going to touch him. I think he's coming back to the Blues at a, at a, a discounted rate because mm-hmm. there aren't going to be teams that are going to be interested in him because he is an off injured player. He's a guy that disappears a lot. And I guess that makes sense that Cairo and Thomas would look up to him because they kind of disappeared a little bit this year too. So, Sheesh. I mean. Yeah. No, Cairo got cocky and Thomas got injured. So, <laughs> Yeah, the league figured out Cairo yeah. and then the league Thomas, figured out Cairo quick. Yeah. yeah, Thomas just kept getting hurt. But, again, that I mean, and, and by the way, uh, do, do you agree? Can we stop with the Trey Thomas talks here? You know, that, that, that seems Those exist? Oh, yeah. yeah. 
there are people suggesting that we need to trade Thomas for like a superstar, you know, and have him be like the key piece. And I'm like, no he's going to be one of those guys in a few years. So the fuck. Yeah. That was stupid. No, yeah, that's exactly. Stupid. exactly. I want to bet with somebody, uh, with somebody, I'm not going to say who to save them embarrassment, but I made a bet at the beginning of the season with, uh, with a friend of mine. I said, excuse me. Uh, I, I made a bet saying, okay, which player would have a higher points per game at the end of the season? Robert Thomas or Kat Kaniemi. And Robert Thomas beat him by 0. .001. <laughs> oh, boy. It was like, it was next to nothing. So there you go. Winner, winner. No, no, I don't see any Hab fans talking about trading Kat Kaniemi. Why would mm-hmm. you trade Robert Thomas? Robert Thomas, we, our, our bottom six is fucked next year. They are fucked. We are yeah. not going to have a good fourth line anymore. We won't be able to roll four lines. We're going to have to go back to the normal 2015 Chicago Blackhawks kind of style where top we heavy. have we, very top heavy. That's what it's going to be. Kind of Just like the Toronto Maple Leafs right now, we're going to have to be top heavy, but we're going to be a discount Toronto Maple Leafs because at least the Toronto Maple Leafs top six actually show up every single night. And you know, I was gonna say that you know that works for Toronto. That worked for Chicago back then. I mean, nothing wrong with that if it if, if it works. Um, but yeah, we need I, to salvage as much of the bottom six as we can. And Robert Thomas is a key piece of that. So, and, and can we can we all can we all agree that changes need to be made on defense? You yes. know, I mean, I mean, God, yes, Falk and Kruger safe. Uh, yes. Everyone else, I mean, I, I think I think Wallman played played well as the season Wallman went on. Fine. He yeah. grew on me. I think he's fine. I think Mikola is going to be there as well. I mean, you know, as a, as a bottom pairing guy. Um, but I we were, we were talking earlier. I think they shot Marco Scandella this off season. He did not wow me at any point this season. I mean, he just he just didn't do it for me. And at three point two mil. That's a lot. Yeah, I saw that and I was like, oh, it was good at the time of signing because, but I mean, compared to the last three years of Scandella's career, he's just been god awful. And then ever since he got to the Blues, he's had a stride in his step that we haven't seen from him in a while. Is it worth three million? No. Is it worth sticking around? Maybe shopping around? No, because I know maybe not next season, but the season after. I think he's just going to get too old. I don't think it's. I don't think it's going to be worth it anymore. So, and yeah, I would be totally open to shopping him. And the elephant in the room with one year left on his deal. What do you do with Colton Pareko? Let him wait out his contract. See what happens next year. Because I mean, after he got home from after after he you know finally returned from his in from his back injury, I thought he looked great. I thought he was one of the better defensemen. To be perfectly honest, for this entire playoffs. You know, he, he's, he picked it up a little bit, but he, he still, picked it up. He wasn't. Yeah, he wasn't how he was, but, but I, he, I still thought he was too tentative at times. I thought he was still yeah. very tentative at times. Yeah. Maybe maybe it's the back injury. And as you know, Mason, you know, you're a different person when your back is working fine yep. versus when it's not. So, yeah, uh, you, you got a point. I, yeah, and, and of course, I definitely say don't trade him this offseason because you're yeah, not you're not him. getting max value for him. I mean, that's just. I think you get more value from him than people think, but I still don't think that you know. Yeah, I don't. Colton Pareko is not a guy you want to shop. I think no, you have unless to wait. you absolutely have to. Yeah. You have to wait until you see what you have in Scott Perutovich because he's going to be coming off of injury as well. And yes, there's high hopes for him, but you really don't know how he's going to fit into the NHL. And if he turns out to be, I don't want to say it, but if he turns out to be a bust, 
at least you know you've what you've got in a guy like Colton Pareko. So as much as I think that there's going to be a lot of talk around him this offseason, I think he will be with the Blues at least for the first half. And if Scott Brunovich comes on and just blows everybody out of the water, maybe by the time the deadline rolls around, you're looking at it and going, we could, we might we might be able to get something really, really good to, to help us out. But at the very least, you're, you're talking trade deadline more than anything else. Yeah, and I think Scotty P is going to get his chance because Vince Dunn's gone. Yep. In one in one way, shape, or form, whether it's Seattle or traded, I just don't see him coming back. I'd rather see him traded. And it, it, that could still happen. Um, I it wouldn't shock me if they did that just to, you know, maybe uh, you know, so they don't have to even worry about the expansion draft with him, just so that you know that way you get something back for him at the very least, and hope that Seattle takes Sanford. Maybe I'm almost at the point with Sanford. We were talking about this earlier. I'm also at the point where, like, I I almost want to give Seattle something, so they take Sanford off of us. I'm, no, well, I said that what three episodes ago. I, I said I I'd be willing to shop a second round pick to get to get Sanford out of here. I'd be willing. I, I would because what's the other alternative? I don't think it, I don't think it would take Seattle. I I think if we offered Seattle a third to take Sanford, I think they'd jump all over it. They yeah, jump over a third, yeah. I think we don't have a we jump. don't have a second round pick in this upcoming draft anyway. So so, so it had to be a Last third season after whatever. Season after, whatever. Potato potato. But but yeah, I mean, I, I think Seattle would look at a guy like Sanford and say, "Hey, he's twenty six years old. He's six foot four. He's a fifteen to twenty goal scorer. Never mind the those other issues. I mean, where are we going to find that in the expansion draft? You know, that isn't going to cost at least five million dollars. This guy's a restricted free agent. Probably won't ask much more than what he's making now." So that's all. He's already an enticing player as it is just looking at, you know, his statistics. But I think if, 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 if Seattle does half of the scouting job that Vegas did and they're not touching Sanford. So, and, and if you're, yeah. if you're going to give all those positive points, the fact that he's not going to cost a lot, he is a restricted free agent. He does all that. Why would you even have to entice a Seattle to, to take him? If those are all the positive points you're trying to make, put across, why do you even have to offer something for Seattle to take take him? That, that's the other piece yeah, of it. Yeah. They could just sit there and go, yeah, we like six foot four, 15 to 20 goal scores that cost us a million and a half, and he's a restricted free agent. There's no need for us to to trade a pick to have them take him off our hands. That's true. That's true. Well, it'll be an offseason of change for the Blues uh, this year. It also will be an offseason of change for us here at Blue Notes as well. Uh, Tuesday, 6.30 p.m., we will have an announcement on the future of this podcast and uh, what we will be doing going forward. Um, and to and ensure that you watch, uh, we are also going to air an interview that Wags, myself, and Scott Tobin of Crunch Time will be doing with former St. Louis Blue Lubo Spartechko. Uh, we're going to record that tomorrow night. We'll play it for you on uh, uh, Blue Notes uh, Tuesday at 6.30, along with our announcement uh, as to our future. I will say this. Don't expect any blue any the three of us together for a little while. Let's just let's just put it that way. It's it, it, we're going to take a little bit of a break this offseason um, and prepare for what's to come. So I think I have teased this enough. So uh, but. <laughs> Tuesday night, 6.30. Yes, it's a special night because it's a special announcement. And uh, uh, we get to see Lulos Bartechko again. So, you know, if nothing else, I mean, tune in for that. So, um, But we have uh, one final piece of business to uh, take care of here. And that would be... 
the bare knuckle blues brackets. We are going to wrap this puppy up today. And to do that, let's go ahead and pop it up on the screen here. So as you can see, we are down to our final rounds of the tournament. Uh, both Mason and myself have been uh, picking the winners for the first two rounds. We are down to our final eight in this tournament here. Our matchups today, and we will crown a winner of this whole thing today. Vladimir Tarasenko versus Klim Kostin, the Battle of Russia. Uh, will be our first matchup today. Then we have Dakila Joshua against a healthy Alex Steen. We have Vince Dunn taking on the old war horse, Kyle Clifford, and Robert Bortuzzo, who may be the favorite in this, in this thing still, taking on Tori Krug, who is, uh, I feel that's a bit of an upset for him to be here at this point of the tournament. <laughs> he beat up a goalie. He Well, that's true. That's true. Uh, that's true. Um but yeah, let's let's go ahead and get to our first matchup here. Uh, Vladimir Tarasenko uh, taking on Klim Kostin, the 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 Battle of Russia, and uh, let's go ahead and get our notes up of uh, the tale of the tape of between these two. Uh, Vladimir Tarasenko, he has three NHL fights. He has a three and zero hockey fights record. Uh, 388 hits and 531 NHL games. He is six foot, 225 pounds. Taking on Klim Kostin, who has yet to fight in the NHL regular season. He did have one preseason fight in 2018. He has a 4 0 AHL record, and uh, he is six foot three, 212 pounds. So I'm going with the young bull, Klim Kostin, in this one. I think he's got the size, and he has got that special little extra level of hate in him that uh, I, I don't think Tarasenko has. Uh, what do you, first, let's go to Wags on this, because this is your first time chiming in on the uh, bare-knuckle blues bracket. This whole thing was your idea. So. <laughs> it kind of was. I'm sorry I missed out the, the first two rounds, but I'm, I'm totally in agreement with you on Klim Kostin being the guy that, that moves on in this. He, he has the reach. He has the size. He has the youth. And he has that part of his game in him. You know, when he was first with the Blues, we were sitting there going, oh, yeah, this guy's going to be a top six scoring forward. We're going to love him. He's going to be another Vladimir Tarasenko. Well, his career has kind of taken a different turn. And he's definitely embraced that physical side uh, of the game. You know, you watch him play over in the KHL, and he, he was a guy that would think hit first, score second. And that's just kind of how he's been. And I, I saw the fight in 2018 in that preseason, and that got me so excited about Clint Costin's future because he went out there. I think he even scored a goal in that game, too. Uh, I think it was against oh, Dallas. And he had a goal, and then he had the fight. And I was like, okay, this guy has it. He, he can score, and he's willing to drop the gloves. Yeah, totally. And then you also throw in the fact that Tarasenko has three shoulder, shoulder surgeries as well. But I can't put much behind those uh, punches, so I'm definitely <laughs> going with Costin in this one. And uh, Mason, you agree? Yeah, I, I agree on Costin there. I mean, it, I, I know both players played in the KHL, uh, but Russia, uh, Klim Costin played in Russia the quickest, uh, the, the most recent. So I, I think that has a factor. He played in Russia, and it's it's freaking Russia. You know, those, 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 guys, are, those guys are tough sons of bitches. So, 
Yeah, you gotta go with Costin on this one for sure. And you gotta love the fact that Costin has beaten three pillars of the 2010 St. Louis uh, uh, 2010s St. Louis Blues in Jaden Schwartz, Braden Shen, and Vladimir Tarasenko to get to this point. The upset king, I guess. Yeah, kind of, kind of. Well, I mean, Shen, you know, as, as we talked about, Shen's got I think like 25 NHL fights now. I mean, you f- you forget that he's a guy that loves to loves to drop the gloves. So, yeah. Uh, he just happened to run into an absolute different beast than Clem Costin. So he goes on, <laughs> he goes on to the uh, semis, and he will take on the winner of Dakota Joshua and Alex Steen. Joshua has uh, one fight. He beat up Coleslaw in Vegas earlier this year. He also got into a scuffle, but I don't think you can call that a fight uh, uh, just recently. Uh, he beat up Dennis Gilbert last year in the minors. He has two juniors fights. He averages almost two hits per game in the NHL. He's six foot two. 199 pounds, and he has no problem knocking Ryan Reeves on his ass. And he is taking on Alex Steen, who uh, might be might be the most unlikely, honestly. Between him, I, I think I feel Krug has more like stand on to be at this point than Alex Steen. Two NHL fights, a one on one record. Steen averaged about a half a hit per game. He was not a physical player. He's six foot, 211 pounds, and uh, he is brittle. So at least at this stage of his career. So <laughs> this one is probably going to be Tequila. Um, Wax oh, yeah. I yeah, I have to agree. I wanted to, I wanted to sit here and be like, no, but Steen's a veteran. He's gonna he's gonna like make this guy work really hard and then just duck and land a punch. No, no, it, it's it's Tequila. <laughs> it's Joshua. He, he's gonna move on. It's all about the youth at this point right now. That's that's another piece that goes into it. But even back in, in Steen's heyday, he was never a physical player, and yeah. he didn't drop the gloves as much as you would think he would have. Uh, honestly, the thing that sold it for me was that Ryan Reeves hit. He he knew who Ryan Reeves was, and he still laid the hit on him and took the fight after that. And and Reeves even gave him props for that. You know, he skated past yeah. him. He's like, yeah, dude, nice job. So yeah. when you get props from Ryan Reeves, that's respect. I think yeah, yeah. I think he's uh, he's got it. Yeah, definitely. So the the killer beats up Steen Mason. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. No, well, one hundred percent. I mean, yeah. I, I know that Alex Steen has hit Ryan Reeves many a times, and how many times has he <laughs> knocked him absolutely on his ass and then taken a fight for it? Never. Yeah, Dakota exactly. Joshua has that has that kind of swagger. Has, yeah, has that swagger about him where you know he's gonna ride this high, 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 and he is going to you know he, he's he's just not gonna lose. You know, it's flat out. He's he's gonna have this high of, oh my god, I'm a fucking man. And then now this like old Alex Steen comes in with the cane and a walker, and then he's just pop, and then that's it. I I'm looking forward to seeing the killer on the fourth line next year. Yeah, and he'll, yeah. He's no. I think it's fair to say he's definitely gonna be a staple for I, the Blues. He should be. He he's absolutely. It. He deserves it. He definitely has. All right, next fight is gonna be Vince Dunn versus Kyle Clifford. Um, this might be this is probably our first interesting one of the round because Vince Dunn, you know, he only has two NHL fights. He's got a one and one record. Uh, he has fought three times in the AHL, uh, four times in the juniors, six foot, 203 pounds. Um, very scrappy, very, very scrappy. Uh, he's taking on Kyle Clifford, the veteran of 96 Ooh. NHL fights. And I don't even know the record. 
it's just too many fights to count. Um, he also has over 1,500 hits in over 700 games. He averages about two hits per game, a little over that. He is six foot two, 211 pounds. So he has a two inch advantage on Dunn and about eight pounds on Dunn as well. So, um, Wags, I'm going to go to you first on this one. Dunn or Clifford? Upset alert. I'm gonna Uh-oh. go. I'm going with Vince Dunn in this one, uh, and not just because Onions, he's baby. Not just because he's young. I, I just feel like you said it. He's a scrappy player. He's scrappy. He's not gonna just lay down and take it. The dude fought in the tunnel at a game. Like he took <laughs> it off the ice and punched a guy and knocked him out. So, I mean, as much as I respect Kyle Clifford and and all of that. Even the fights that he got in this year, you look at Clifford and it just wasn't like the Clifford that you remember back in L.A. Mm -hmm. So with that included, even though he's got the reach and the size on him, I think Vince Dunn's a guy that can get into him and lay a couple in the chops and knock him out. So I'm going to go with the upset. I'm going to go with Vince Dunn in this one. You know, I'm inclined to agree with Wags, actually. I was going to say the exact same thing. I I think Dunn pulls off an upside here, you know, because I I was thinking, you know, just way ahead. I'm like, oh, it's totally going to be a Clifford. You know, it's basically whoever wins the Clifford boards fight. And I'm like, actually, he's got to get through Vince Dunn first. On the way there, he's got to get through Vince Dunn. And like we said, like Vince Dunn will fight you anywhere. He will fight you literally anywhere. He does not care. I don't care like if he's not motivated to fight, if he's like trying to do something and then you're like pissing him off, like hitting him with your stick or whatever. He's gonna be like, all right, that's it. Pop! And then he's just gonna be dead. It's gonna be like it's I think that lack of a better term, I think Vince Dunn's got the retard strength to totally <laughs> annihilate Kyle Clifford. Okay. I, I think so. <laughs> I, I I was I was watching Kyle Clifford today, you know, against the Avs, and as I was watching him, it's like this is not the same Kyle Clifford that got the majority. Mm-hmm. Like like is it, like he got the most of those fights, like in his first five years, but he's not a guy that to me strikes fear in opponents anymore. Like you don't have to keep your head on a swivel. Goes oh oh shit, Kyle Clifford's coming. He doesn't seem like that guy anymore, and. Um, Vince Dunn, on the other hand, as he's as, as you as you said, he's got that little extra something something. I guess I'll I'll, I'll call it that. I'll go with Vince Dunn in the upset. I will go yeah. with Vince Dunn. It, it, it's an upset for sure. I but I think he's capable of pulling it off. Um, Clifford's just not the same uh, beast that he was before. Yeah. Well. Okay. One more thing to add is uh, I as I was you know. As we just finished the last round, uh, right when we were done with the episode, I, uh, I I looked at videos of each of the these guys fighting. I looked at them, and Kyle Clifford's old, like 2014, 2015, 2016, he had a lot of power in his punches. Yeah. Recent Kyle Clifford has been more grab and shake and maybe throw a punch every once in a while, but even those punches haven't been like haymakers per se so that's kind of why that's also the reason why i'm more inclined to believe vince Dunn because vince Dunn will punch you he doesn't yeah. like he doesn't do the whole like twist around like kind of like what ryan reeves does he kind of like twists around his opponent to intimidate him vince Dunn doesn't he just goes right for the jugular and just bashes your teeth in and he doesn't care <laughs> so kyle clifford kind of has been l- later on his career which is which is totally understandable later in his career he's been more kind of stepping back as he fights and he's kind of waiting for the opponent to make the first move. Vince Dunn makes the first move. So 
definitely, definitely. I, I agree with that 100%. So that leads us to our uh, final matchup of this round. Uh, it is Robert Bortuzzo against Tori Krug. Uh, Bortuzzo, uh, he of 29 NHL fights, 14, 11, and 4 record. He averages about 1, 1.3 hits per game, and he is six foot four, 216 pounds. A decided size advantage over Tori Krug, who does have 12 NHL fights. He is uh, has a four, five, and three record. Uh, he averages about 0.8 hits per game, so not quite a hit per game. He is five foot nine, 186 pounds. Reputations aside. You have a six foot four, two hundred sixteen pound <laughs> guy fighting a five foot nine, one hundred eighty six pound guy. Uh, I don't care if Tory Krug has the power of Rocky Balboa in him; he's he's not going to have a good time against Bortuzzo, in my opinion. <laughs> I say Bortuzzo, and this one's not particularly close. Wags, what do you think? One fight is all that you need to know about, and it's not even a fight that happened in an NHL game. Robert Bortuzzo fought and punched our way to the Stanley Cup when he knocked Sanford on his ass. That's, that's the whole reason for this tournament. All you needed was that, – that's the one fight you have to know about. When a guy is willing to beat his own teammate up to get his uh, fire lit under their ass, that, that shows toughness toughness right there. It's Bortuzzo all the way. And, Mason, I think you're – I heard you're laughing, so I'm assuming, I'm assuming you're in agreement here. Why would I now? Why would I willingly put myself up on a cross and say Tory Krug? Why would I ever do that? Because you're insane. I yeah. am insane, but not for that reason. I would I would prefer not to be crucified. I, I I'm gonna I'm gonna agree with you guys. I'm gonna say yeah, Robert. What's gonna end up happening in this fight is Tory Krug is gonna walk in. He's this little guy, and then Bortuzzo's just gonna like there's gonna be a spotlight that suddenly comes on on Tory Krug, and Robert Bortuzzo's just gonna be standing behind him like this. So his head's <laughs> gonna be down here, and he's gonna be standing like this. Yeah, and it's gonna be a full on like like lopsided hero versus villain anime brawl is what it's going to look like. So yeah, no contest there. Sorry. Sorry. It's basically going to be Spider-Man versus bone saw from the, uh, Oh uh, boy. Uh, <laughs> Spider-Man only, only, only bone saw gets the job done this time. So, uh, bone saw Bortuzzo moves on. He will take on Vince Dunn in the semifinals. Uh, but our first semifinal matchup features Clem Costin, versus the killer joshua uh this is this is gonna be an inter interesting one here costin he's got a, a track record of fighting but so does so does the uh, dakota they both love to hit uh costin is 6'3 212 pounds uh joshua's 6'2 199 so costin's got a little bit of a size advantage um we don't know how Costin fares against Ryan Reeves whenever they're on the ice together. We do know how Dakila takes care of Ryan Reeves on the ice. Um, let's go. Let, let's let's go around the horn here on this one. Uh, Wags, Dakila or Costin? <sighs> I'm I'm leaning I'm leaning toward Joshua. I really am. I think just because of the experience he has in the NHL level right now, he does have NHL fights. He does have. The, the Ryan Reeves thing. He's got all of that, but it is by the slimmest of margins that I'm going to go with Joshua. I think Costin's going to hold his own in this. I think he's going to make a lot of people think twice about going up against him, mm -hmm. but I think Dakota is going to have just that one punch and it's going to be enough. 
All right, so one vote for Joshua, who, by the way, has beaten Alex Steen, um, Carl Gunnarsson. Why was he even in this thing? <laughs> and uh, Tyler Bozak. So he's had a pretty easy pass so far. Costin, of course. He'll be rested. He'll be rested. Costin being Schwartz, Shen, and Tarasenko to get to this point. Mason, uh, Dekilla, or Costin? This is probably going to be the closest fight of the entire tournament. Yes. By far the closest fight. And entertaining. A very entertaining semifinal for sure. Uh, but no, I agree with Wags there. I, I do. I do because I don't think Clem Costin has the guts to hit Ryan Reeves and then take and then take a fight against Colsar and win. Yeah. Not only did he hit Ryan Reeves, but he fought Colazar, who is no featherweight himself, and won. <laughs> that is yeah. major, major respect points there. So that's if if he had hit anybody else other than Ryan Reeves, this would probably be going to Clint Costin. But no, he's just got he's just got he's got guts. He's got moxie. He There's no way he uh, like it's it's going to come down to the final punch. But I think at the end of the day, Dakota Joshua's got the punch. They 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 both have moxie. They both have size. They both have uh, just all the tenacity in the world. But I feel the killer has that little extra. You know, mm -hmm. when, I mean, you know, when 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 you bowl over Reeves like you do, and as you said, uh, you know, Colasar is probably the Kyle Clifford of today. You know, I mean, he just, you know, he, he's a guy that is always getting into fights and he's a tough guy and he's a guy that's to be feared. And Joshua didn't really have much of an issue with him. So I, I, I'm going to go with, I, I'm going to go with you guys. I'll say Dakota defeats Clem Costin in probably the most entertaining fight uh, of this whole tournament. Yeah. Uh, Cause you know, those two would just be punching and, and not really using any tactics whatsoever. Uh, Vince Dunn versus Robert Bortuzzo, a battle of defenders. Uh, Vince Dunn uh, scoring the what might be an upset win over Kyle Clifford last round. He also beat Sammy Blay and Ivan Barbashev, taking on Robert Bortuzzo, who has slayed Tori Krug, as well as Nico Mikola and Robert Thomas, probably injuring him again. Um, so here we go. Vince Dunn, Robert Bortuzzo. Vince Dunn, he stands at six foot, 203 pounds. Bortuzzo is uh, got four inches on him at six foot four, and he also has 216 pounds, so about a 13 pound advantage. I look, I, I, I think Dunn deserved to beat Clifford last round just based on where they are now. You know, Clifford's kind of, you know, becoming the old war horse, you know, and kind of he doesn't fight as much as he used to. Um, I think this is where his run ends. Mm -hmm. uh, it runs at, at the end of a fist of Robert Bortuzzo. Uh, Wags, what do you think? Yeah, I think so, too. It's going to be a fun fight. You know, Vince Dunn's going to go crazy probably early on, but I think Bortuzzo knows he's got the advantage with the height and the weight that he'll probably let Vince Dunn punch himself out, and then he'll just step back, and he'll be like, you done? You done? You good? All right, boom, you're out. Uh, so I think <laughs> I think it's going to be Robert Bortuzzo. It's still going to be a fun fight, but it's almost no contest at this point. Yeah. Mason? Not really no contest. I think this is a closer fight than people think it would be. Uh, but, yeah, no, Bortuzzo definitely has it. I mean, yeah. you know, the Vince Dunn, like like you said, he is going to tire himself out. You know, Bortuzzo's just that hefty of a guy. Bortuzzo, not only can he throw punches, he can take them. Oh, yeah. How many times have you seen a Robert Bortuzzo fight 
and he goes down because of a punch. He goes down because the guy has to throw him down in order to win the fight. <laughs> you cannot out punch Robert Portuzo and knock him out. Just doesn't happen. Yeah, it, it just, you're right, and it's as you said, as you all said, Dunn will make it a fight. He will absolutely do everything he can, but it's Portuzo's been in this. You know, not only does he have all the size advantage, but he's he he just has the experience, and I think. It's just, it's gonna be too much for Dunn. So yeah. done. So done is done. It is the finals now between Dakila Joshua and Robert Bortuzzo. So we have the kid versus the veteran. Um, uh, Here's what we gotta do. Here's what we gotta do. I'm gonna count down three, two, one, and on one we say who wins. All three of us at the same time. Okay. okay. Three, two, one. Joshua. Joshua, really? <laughs> I'm going. I'm going. Joshua on this one in the in in, in something of an upset. Um, I I it, it's so weird for a guy like Joshua to have already an established track record like he does of going after Reeves, beating up Colasar. Um, to me, that establishes him. He's the younger guy in this. Um, size wise, this is this is Robert Bortuzzo's really first matchup where he actually matches up size wise with someone. You know, the kill is six foot two, 200 pounds, still got a bit of a size advantage, but man, I mean, we we have seen Joshua in action, you know, uh, mm-hmm. on the ice, and we know what he is capable of. I think maybe I, I think Joshua has what it takes to take out Bortuzzo. And apparently some of our listeners do as well. Derek says, yeah. I think Joshua overboards, maybe unpopular opinion. And Russell Clark says the killer for the win. So that's my story. Um, Wags, any, any, anything, anything to add? I think you're right on. I think he is a perfect matchup for Robert Bortuzzo and, it's the first test that he has. And sometimes you fail that first test and it's going to be another close fight for sure. But I I think to kill you know, gets it in the end and what a Cinderella story. What a Cinderella story indeed. And Cinderella story for fighting. (laughs) And and Mason, you were going to go with Bortuzzo. Yeah, I'm go- I was going to go with Bortuzzo there. I can ag- I can see what you guys are saying, you know, like I said, I totally agree. You know, George Dakota Cannot speak. Dakota Joshua has got a lot of muscle on him, a lot of moxie on him. I totally agree with you there. I just I have a hard time counting Bortuzzo out in this fight. You know, it's gonna be it's gonna be a good fight for sure. I I I think Bortuzzo just barely hashes out this win. I think that Joshua gives him a run for his money. But I mean, it is a big height difference. It is a big experience difference. But you might be right. I mean, Bortuzzo is getting up there in age. You know, uh, Dakota Joshua's still young in his career. You know, he can always he can always put on more muscle. But like, yeah. you know, I I think it comes down to I, I really do think it comes down to experience. When you know you're in the freaking finals and you want to win, <laughs> and he's just had so much more experience because fighting in the junior leagues versus fighting in you know the major leagues, the NHL is it, it's a it's a totally different ball game. So that's 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 kind of why I have uh, Bortuzzo in that spot. But I mean, having Dakota Joshua as the winner doesn't bother me in the least bit. Well, congratulations to Dakila Joshua. Your grand prize is you get to beat up Zach Sanford in practice. That's <laughs> your grand other prize. grand prize. Your other other grand prize is we get to interview you. 
maybe I would love to do that if maybe the Blues weren't so stingy about uh, letting us interview their players. Joe Hofer, excuse me. But anyway, uh, yeah, but someday, someday, yeah. someday we'll be big enough to uh, get the big ones. But anyway, that's going to do it for uh, this episode of Blue Notes. That is going to do it for the St. Louis Blues 2020-21 campaign. Any final thoughts? Uh, Mason, you jumped in late. Uh, what's uh, any final thoughts? I'm disappointed and sad. I mean, I'm glad that we, I'm glad that we like got to end it on some kind of a fun note, you mm. know, with the bare knuckle blues bracket. Uh, thank yeah. you, Wax, for that awesome idea. It was, it was freaking like, bravo, buddy, bravo. <laughs> I get one a year. That was a great idea. Like, how many? I haven't heard of any other team like doing something anywhere close to that. So that's you know that's that's always nice. <laughs> that's always nice to you know end it on a nice note. I mean. Uh, I'm like, okay, people uh, People are going to watch this video, and I guarantee you I'm going to get at least three comments on it that are going to say, if you hate this team so much, why do you root for them? I do not hate this team. No. Let me tell you, I do not hate this team. I hate what they do on the ice sometimes. I do not hate. It's like a child. It's like when you have your six-year-old kid, you come home and you notice your prize vase is broken. Your mother's ashes are scattered on the floor. Oh, or you know, oh. you, they're you're, they're cleaning the or they're cleaning the you know toilet with your toothbrush, or they're doing or they're you getting a sharpie and they're like you know painting all over your door. Yeah, you, you hate what the kid did, but you love the kid. I think that's how we all feel about the St. Louis Blues right now. We all love this team. Well, wait until you hear what he did with Grandma's ashes. Um, <laughs> Wags, final thoughts. Uh, like I said earlier, I think we, we went into this season with a little bit higher expectations than we probably should have had, and we should be lucky that we got as far as we did. Uh, I'm just I'm really anxious to see what changes are made in the off season. And you know, over on Crunch Time, we had the uh, campaign for Nolan Arenado. I think what we need to do here is we need to have the campaign for Matthew Kachuk. We need to find a way to get Matthew Kachuk to St. Louis. We'll oh, create maybe, maybe we create some T-shirts. Oh, maybe amazing. we get some people involved. But let's, let's let's do blue notes for Kachuk and see what happens, or whatever the show will be named going yeah, forward. Um, oh. hint, we'll get there. Hint, hint. Um, I'm personally, and this is probably going to sound unpopular, and I might get the same commenters that uh, Blues fan reacts gets on this, but. I'm relieved. I yeah, I, me too. I thought this was going to happen when the Blues went to the first round, and it, whether it was going to be Vegas, whether it was going to be the Abs, they just did not have it this year. That and it was very evident as the season went on. They literally are only in this spot because the rest of the the division sucked, and they didn't they didn't want it. Arizona flirted with them for a little while, and that was fun, but. They didn't have it either. And I think, you know, any Arizona fan could tell you they just didn't have it. LA didn't have it. San Jose didn't have it. Anaheim didn't even have a fucking clue this year uh, where that was. Oh, so, what happened? What are we doing? Exactly. <laughs> you got to give him credit, though. They did let Backus play in, this, in his final game here in San Louis. So at least they had that. That was classy. Good that for was that. Very, that was very classy of them. Yeah, yes. very classy. I, I have nothing against the Anaheim Ducks organization. No, they, also, they also handled things very well when Jay Bo Meester had his episode. You know, they were yes. very classy throughout all that as well. Much respect to the Anaheim Ducks organization, really. Oh, yeah. you, you guys are okay. Um, but the Blues, this is going to be an offseason of change. 
change that I think we all saw during the season during the season needed to happen. And uh, we're just going to sit back and uh, enjoy or, or lament what is done. We're going to embrace it regardless. Whether we love or hate it, we're going to embrace it because we're going to have to. Put it this way. That whenever, assuming free agency starts July 1st, which I don't think it will because it's – because aren't they? It's going to be – yeah, it's going to be earlier than that. Uh, okay. I'm not sure how quickly the Stanley Cup playoffs are going to like plow through here. But on the first day of free agency, we're not going to hear the St. Louis Blues fans going, oh, Doug Armstrong didn't sign anyone. You know, it's the same old Blues every year. Blah, blah. They're going to be <laughs> signing some people on day one. They're going to have to. They don't have they're a choice. Gonna be, they're going to be trading some players. I mean, not only that, but it's like for the first time in a long time, the Blues have actual cap space. They're gonna have about. They it, can it, do assuming so sure. many things. Assuming there are so many things they can do. How much do they have? Like eighteen million or yeah, something. Yeah. Like if Schwartz walks, it's eighteen million. That's a lot. That's a lot. That is a lot. That is a Connor McDavid and a Jesse Puliarvi. That's like that's enough. Oh, okay. So we're gonna say fuck Kachuk, and we're just gonna say, hey, let's rescue McDavid. Is that is that what I'm you're just saying? Okay, okay. <laughs> hey, dream big. I I love that. Dream big. Dream big. Well, uh, again, in case you've uh, just joined us a little while ago, we're gonna have a special episode on Tuesday night featuring former St. Louis Blue Lubos Bartechko, and then a big announcement about the future of this very show. We're not going. We're, I'll say this: We're not going away. No. We're going to be going away for a while, but we're not going away. And uh, sometimes, uh, like a snake, you just have to shed your skin and uh, start anew. So uh, that's basically what's coming up going forward. But uh, in the meantime, I want to thank you for listening and watching because without you, there is no me, there is no Wags, there is no Mason, and there is no Hockey Podcast Network. I'm Tom Franklin reminding you to not be a chump. And what do we do, Wags? Always play to the whistle. You gosh darn tootin' right. A reminder that you can follow Blue Notes on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Blue Notes Pod. I'm the voice of the blues, Tom Calhoun. Jeremy Boyer, play us out. listening to the hockey podcast network your home for hockey talk covering every team in the nhl new episodes every monday download at the hockey podcast network.com or wherever you get your podcasts from <sighs> all right okay google golf courses near me